Good morning. Let's all stand and together we lift up our voices as we sing. The Lord's our rock and him we hide, a shelter in the time of storm. God bless America and America the beautiful. The Lord's our rock in him we hide, a shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever ill be tied, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is our rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is our rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. A shade by day, defense by night, a shelter in the time of storm. No fears alarm, no foes upright, a shelter in the time of storm. A shelter in the time of storm. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountain to the prairies to the Wide with foam, God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Oh, beautiful this morning. This is Memorial Day weekend. It's a time when we think and we reflect on those who paid the ultimate price that we might enjoy the very freedom to come and worship like this without intimidation or fear. Um, we live in a free nation and that came at a cost, didn't it? So let's open up with prayer.
thanking the Lord for his many blessings to us and the price that was paid for us to have it. Father in heaven, we come before you. And Lord, we thank you for this church that we can come and worship in. We thank you for the freedoms we have in this nation to be able to lift up our voices and praise Jesus. And Lord, I I just ask that you be with the families all across our country who have lost loved ones because they went to defend our freedom. And I pray that you'd bless those families. We thank you for the sacrifice made. And I pray that you help us as a people to be grateful, to remember, and to be honorable. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Please be seated.
Men, would you please stand and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing, Jesus saves, hear the heart of heaven beating, Jesus saves.
I started on Mother's Day a series in 1 Peter chapter 3, going 1 Peter chapter 3 through verse 10 and a little bit beyond, um, on the family. Started with moms and dads, men and women, and then last week we came on down a little farther in the text, and this morning we're actually going to go all the way down to uh, verse 10, and we're going to look at words, speech. So I'm going to read you the text and then I have a little video clip. Title of my message this morning is Loose Lips Sink Ships. You can't say that really fast, but Loose Lips Sink Ships. And part of that is because it's Memorial Day weekend and I'm going to show you a little video clip uh, I went online and looked up the old posters from World War II, Loose Lips Sink Ships, and took those and kind of tied it into our message this morning, and I'm going to show you why. But let me read the text to you, then I'm going to show you the little video, and then uh, we're going to go into the message. First Peter chapter 3. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price." For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that either you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. And then the whole theme of our, between Mother's Day and Father's Day comes from the very first part of verse 10, for he that will love life and see good days. And that is the series. I want you to understand that really a good, happy, healthy family should be made up of people who desire to love life, not fight every day, not war against one another, not destroy and, 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 to, and to bury one another, but to love life and to seek good days. But listen to what he goes on to say. Last part of verse 10. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Thus, the title of my message this morning, Loose Lips Sink Ships. Loose Lips Sank Ships in World War II and Loose Lips in the Home. Words spoken, words that cut, stab, shoot, they can sink the ship of the home. But I want to show you this little video. These are powerful images from World War II posters. And they drive home the point 
of thinking about what you're saying. posters, isn't it? The United States government wanted to make a point. Interesting thing is when they first started the campaign, Congress was opposed. They said, we don't want to start a movement of information, persuasion, propaganda. And they cited what was happening in Germany at the time as the propaganda of the Germans swayed the culture and society. But as the war ramped up, as it was getting ready to come to America and began, Congress decided, no, we do need a, an organization of information to disseminate out to the culture important things. And this was one of them and was a, a massive effort to get people to stop and think about what they said because the words they spoke had power and there are always ears hearing. Well, it's an interesting thing when we come to this text. We come to a text that's talking about husbands and wives, families, groups, organizations, friendships, however you want to apply it. And as he comes down through this text, and he's talking about those who want to love life and seek good days, it's so interesting that within the same verse, listen again to verse 10, for he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. 
What a powerful example of how God recognizes the power of the tongue. And he touches on two things. He says to you and I concerning our families, our relationships. He says, listen, refrain your tongue from evil in lips that they speak no guile. So for us, we go into the Bible and we understand that the Bible teaches us that the tongue is a very, very powerful instrument in all of humankind. In fact, turn with me, if you would, to James chapter 3, verses 1 down through 12. And I want you to listen to what the Bible has to say about the tongue. He says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth, proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. So in our series of talking about the family, starting in the very first part of 1 Peter 3, verses 10, all the way down through about verse 8, we talked about the relationship of a husband and a wife, the relation of, of people coming together and working together and having the same vision and pulling together. And then the next verses we came down and we talked about some things that uh, we need to be conscious of, really considering when we come down to verses 8 and 9, it said, finally be all of one mind, having compassion, uh, love, showing pity, being courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. We talked about all of that last week, but this week we're going to talk about the tongue. It's power. The power talked about in James, where we see that within that text, it's referenced as even a fire. In fact, verse 6, it told us that it is a world of iniquity, defiling the whole body, setting on fire the course of nature itself. And you and I, any of us that have lived any length of time, we know that the words we say, the things we say, they can start a world of fire, can't they? I mean, it doesn't take much to offend a brother. 
It doesn't take much to offend a sister, a spouse, a parent, our children. It really is not hard to say just a few words that cut to the soul. And so when you look at this, we understand that yes, as the Bible says, the tongue is, even as a fire. In fact, it's interesting at the last part of verse 6, he says, from hell itself. Uh, and I think it's because he knows so much better than we know the human nature. That the very lowest and most vile part of us somehow comes out our mouth. And he says, these things ought not so to be. And in our relationships, whether it be friends or family, it should be that we guard the words we say. We choke them back rather than spit them out. There's great wisdom in taking a count to ten and step back before you say that next thing. I've told you, I, I had my children memorize Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but contentious words stir up anger. And it's because it's such a powerful truth in all parts of our lives. It doesn't matter whether you're on the job site or whether you're at home. Those words you say are ever so powerful. James reminds us that the tongue is hard to tame. He references the fact that we put a, a bit in a horse's mouth and therein we can control this large and powerful animal. But how hard is it to control that, that little tongue in our mouths? He just wants to drive home the point. Kind of like the U.S. government during World War II. They didn't put one poster out. They put out a dozen posters all over the United States of all different things to get people's attention for them to try to govern their tongue, control what they would say, because it costs lives. How many marriages would be saved if only that hateful thing was not said? How many relationships with friends would still be intact if only those words were held back? How many families, moms and dads and boys and girls, would there not be big fences between if only words were not said that should not have been said? So when we come to this truth of, of seeking to love life and see good days, I don't think it's a mistake that God immediately addressed the words that we speak. When we look in James chapter uh, 3 and verses 9 down through 12, where he tells us these things ought not to be, he's driving home a very real point. Psalms 10 verses 4 and 7 say, The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. And his tongue is mischief and vanity. What a description of the world we live in today. I was, I was riding with Sandra Joe in the car yesterday and I pulled up beside, behind a, a car, and a, a little pickup truck, and he had bumper stickers on the back of the pickup truck. And I can't even tell you what it said on those bumper stickers because it's just so vile. 
If I, if I said it, I, I would expect you to remove me from my position. But yet we put it up there for every little boy and girl who's learning to read to, to sound out the words on the back of somebody's car or pickup truck. Why? Because we live in a time where the wicked, through their pride, through their arrogance, their mouths are full of cursing and deceit. You and I, we should think about the words that come out of our mouths. You and I as Christians, it ought not to be. It ought not to be that the same mouth that praises God is the same mouth that curses. That's what our text tells us. You think you say, well, preacher, you're, that's, that's pretty personal. That's meddling. Listen, man, that's the Bible. The Bible gets down to where we live. He's not trying to avoid hitting us where we really feel it. God wants us to feel it. He wants us to step back. Because loose lips sink ships. When the U.S. government put that out, it was because there were young men and young women dying. Because people wouldn't just control their tongue. And you and I, we look at our husband, we look at our wife, we look at our children. And sometimes we say the worst things to the people we love the most. And here he tells us, he says, listen, keep your tongue, refrain your tongue from evil. James chapter 1 verse 26 says, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? Now, he's not saying that all of a sudden you become perfect. But man, you've got to put the bridle in. You know, it's great to watch those old Western movies where the Native American gets on the back of the wild Mustang and he grabs it by the mane and man, he's going down through the woods and he's steering that horse. I think there's a lot of fiction right there. Because if it was that easy, we'd all be doing it. Why, why own a car if you can just jump on a wild Mustang and steer it by the mane? No, there's so much more to it, isn't there? They had to learn to go ahead and bridle them and really begin to control them in order to really get control. But even then, even then, even a bridled horse is a horse hard to control. Now, some of you are big horse people. You're thinking, I have no problem. Yeah, but some of you are folks who tell me about the horse throwing you off. And Listen, even a bridled horse, it's a big animal. So when God tells you and I, we need to bridle the tongue, it's not that he thinks you're going to all of a sudden be perfect. But if you don't put the bridle in, you're not even trying. Know what I mean? You've got to at least try to rein it in and to get control. Of the words you say. So he says to us, he says, listen, refrain your tongue from evil. And the New Testament tells us there in James, that if we ourselves say that we are people of faith, we are people of, 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 of worship. He says, if you don't bridle your tongue, you're deceiving your own heart. 
If you don't control what you say, you're deceiving yourself. If you, don't, if you don't think it can sink ships, if you don't think it can ruin friendships, if you don't think it can hurt your job relationship, if you don't think it can destroy your family, you're deceiving yourself, he says. We have to control what we say. But it's interesting when we come to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, not only does he tell us, let him refrain his tongue from evil, but listen to the last part of verse 10. Let his lips and his lips that they speak no guile. Now the word guile is not a word that we often use today. But it simply means deceit or cunning. That deception. Deceitful manipulation of others. So he says to us, he says, not only should you remove evil from your speech, but you should remove guile, deceptive, manipulative speech. Why? Because it's bad for the family. It's bad for the relationship. Bad for the business. Bad for the church. Bad for the country. When you're a person who speaks with guile, malicious intention, deceitful, cunning, he says that should not be either. In fact, the lack of guile impressed Christ. In John chapter 1, verse 47, it says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him. And he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. So Jesus, as he sees Nathanael coming towards him, Jesus says, Here, look at here, here is an Israelite. With no guile. It made a difference. He recognized it. He saw it in his heart and in his life. And you and I, I mean, I want God to look down and see in my heart and my life the intention to have no guile, no deceit, no cunning. And, and so should all of us. For we're the child of God. We want to please the Lord. Amen? Amen. It should be our desire for him to look and say, wow, look at that Vermonter. A Vermonter with no guile. That should be our desire. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, hypocrisies and envies, and all evil speakings. It's really interesting when you go through the Bible and just do a search of verses and texts that talk about the words we speak and how that we should govern them, control them, learn to winnow out that which is bad and practice that which is good. It's perplexing to me the culture and society we live in today where all of a sudden people laugh at the most vile words like they're little kids, grown-ups who are impressed by cursing and swearing and filthy talk. Come on, we need to grow up. Amen? Amen? Here he's telling us. He's saying, learn to winnow that stuff out of your, your dictionary, your language. Ephesians 5, 6 and 7 says, Let no man deceive you with vain words. 
For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. You have to choose. I'm not going to partake. Uh, a number of years ago, I, I, I went to speak in the Philippines. Uh, the, one of the churches there was dedicating uh, a building. Another church was celebrating an anniversary that we as a church had invested in. And when I got there, they met me at the airport in Manila. And the pastor, he took me to eat. My, my son-in-law came with me. He paid his way. The church paid my way. And when we got there, the missionary asked me, you know, what, what do you want to have to eat? And I said, whatever. I, I love to experience the culture. New lands, new places, new foods. I'm open to it all. Man, I've eaten off of 55-gallon drums out in the middle of nowhere. And it's okay. As long as I survive it, I'm all right. So, he, you know, I asked him, I said, well, what, what's really a cultural food you know, that's really Filipino. And he told me, he says, balut. You should try balut. I said, what's balut? He says, it's an egg. I said, so what's like fried scrambled egg? I've had that. No, 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 it's better. He said, it's a fertilized chicken egg and the chicken is about three quarters developed. And then what you do is they cook it and you break it open and you eat the chick out of the egg. No. <laughs> you see, so, so when you read Ephesians 5, 7, where it says, be not ye therefore partakers with them, there are some things in our lives where we know to say, no. <laughs> not eating three quarter developed chick out of an egg, no. But we have to learn to do the same thing with speech, too. And that's what he's talking about here. He's saying, learn to say no. Learn to say, I'm not going to be a partaker of that. I'm not going to speak evil. I'm not going to speak guile. I'm just not going to participate. It's okay to not participate. Oh, I know, but all the co-workers do it. Ugh, there's a lot of things co-workers do that you shouldn't participate in. Well, you know, my brothers and sisters, and lots of things they do you shouldn't participate in. It's just that it's so easy to give in to that little instrument called the tongue. Everybody's saying it. Everybody's doing it. But it's okay to say no. You know, they've, they've recently legalized marijuana and all that stuff. But you know what? They can make it legal. It doesn't make it healthy. It doesn't make it good. So you say, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. There's lots of things in our lives that we had to grow past and say, not me. You know, when we were little kids, little kids can be mean, can't they? I mean, tell me they can't. They can be mean. But by the time you start to reach a certain age, you realize adults aren't as quick to forgive as little kids. A little kid can say something really mean and they're best buddies in three and a half minutes. But you take a 30 year old and you say something really hateful, it might take you 30 years to get past that. 
So when you look at this text, he says in Ephesians 5, 7, Be not ye therefore partakers with them. You learn to start to winnow things out of your life and say, I, No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not eating balut. <laughs> and neither am I going to do all this other stuff that is just not good for my family, my friendships, my church, my community, even my country. I've got to learn that loose lips sink ships. First Peter chapter 2, verse 22 says, Jesus Christ did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And we call ourselves Christians. We're Christ-like. Well, you know what? Christ controlled the things he said. And he could have said anything, but he controlled it. Why? Because he's God in the flesh. He had the strength and the ability to take that bit and put it in his mouth and be perfect. You and I, we have to at least take the first step and make sure that we are giving forth the effort of controlling our mouth from speaking evil or guile. The series between Mother's Day and Father's Day. Loving life and seeing good days. Starting with looking at the husband and wife and the love they should have for one another. The relationship of men and women coming together to the glory of God to propagate the earth. Moving on and looking all those things in the text that talks about us coming together, bonding and building a relationship. And here, preventing destruction. When I was a boy, my dad was a foreman for a, a construction company. And he drove the, the foreman's truck. And I'm pretty old now, so the laws back then were very different than they are today. And in the back of my dad's truck was a toolbox. And along with that toolbox was a blasting box. And in that box was dynamite caps and dynamite. Now, every once in a while, I'd get in Dad's toolbox. And sometimes I'd get in trouble for that. But I never got in the blasting box. Because that was driven home. You don't mess with that. That can kill you. Don't touch the blasting box. So I knew the destruction. I knew. It's, even as a little boy, you don't touch that. You and I in our lives, sometimes... It's good for us to have enough fear to know that's really bad for me. I should not even go there. And when God goes from talking to us about loving life and seeking good days, and the very next words are, don't let your tongue speak evil and your words beguile. We should take that to heart and say, God knows that in our family, in our homes, in our relationships, in our community, in our church, on our job sites, those things that come out of our mouth, they can be for good or they can really be for bad. Let's bow our heads as we come to the end of the message. As your head is bowed and as my head is bowed, we think back to World War II and loose lips sink ships. In all the needless lives that were lost 
because somebody was careless with their tongue. And maybe even as our head is bowed, we think about the things we have said through the years that should have never passed our lips. Maybe there are people, as our head is bowed and we think, maybe there are people that we should reach out to and apologize, make amends. But most assuredly, as our heads are bowed and as we look in our hearts, we know that from this day forward, we are now informed. We've seen the posters. We've, hear, we've heard the words. And we know that we should not speak evil or guile if we want to love life and seek good days. Father in heaven, as we come to the end of our message this morning, as we come to the end of our service, I pray that you would stir our hearts. Help us to be a people who really take seriously the warning given to us in the scriptures. We thank you so much for Jesus who died on the cross for us that we might have eternal life. Help us to take the truths that you've given us and truly live them. We know it's not easy, but it must happen. We must try. We pray for your Holy Spirit to guide and direct in each of our lives. In Christ's name I pray, amen. John is going to dismiss us in a little bit of a chorus. And um, it's going to be our prayer as we go. So what is the chorus? Uh, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning on the everlasting line. So I just pray to close our service. I'm not going to do a normal invitation today. Because I want you to take with you the truth that I gave you. I'm not looking for you to... I'm looking for you to take and put in your heart one of the hardest lessons in the Bible. And that is to control your tongue. It is hard. But we must do it. So I just pray, and I want us to leave the service with a chorus, and I want you to take with you that truth. Ponder it, think about it. Loose lips sink ships. Go ahead, John, with the chorus. What a fellowship.